We're going to introduce today uh, the first of three messages in a new series about the generous life. And so we're going to be talking about um, stewardship and talking about money in the life of the church. Uh, we've approved the budget for 2020, and that's, uh, that seems strange to be talking about 2020, doesn't it? Uh, but we've approved that budget, and then um, uh, commitment letters were written with the commitment cards in those a, a week or so ago, and you should have gotten those. So uh, asking you to be prayerfully considering your stewardship commitment to Spring Valley Baptist Church for the kingdom of God for the coming year. And so I want us to talk about and look at what the Scripture teaches us about a living a generous life. We need to increase the level of generosity in the life of our church in the way that God calls us to do. So today we're going to be talking about money in church, and we're going to be talking about money and the church. And the reality is that money is necessary for many reasons, and it's in much demand. I read a, of a, recently of a, of a faculty meeting that took place on a college campus, and the dean was there before all the uh, professors and all the other faculty members, and they were having their regular meeting, and all of a sudden an angel appeared in their midst and spoke to the dean and said, I'll grant you one wish out of these three choices, infinite wisdom, infinite wealth, or infinite health. Which one do you choose? And the dean thought for a while, and he said, well... I'm the, supposed to be the academic dean. I'm supposed to lead. But I, uh, I think Solomon asked for wisdom when he was supposed to lead the people. So he said, I guess I'll ask for wisdom. So he said, give me the infinite wisdom. And the angel said, so, so, so shall it be. And then disappeared. Well, there was a pause in, the class, in, that, in that meeting room. Several minutes passed by. And the dean is just kind of staring out into space. And one of the other professors said, okay, dean, come on. Say something wise. Impart some wisdom to us. And the dean said, I should have taken the money. I should have taken the money. When we think about money, it's uh, in our choices that we make in life a lot, isn't it? And it drives us. It drives our economy. Uh, it drives everything that we do. Yeah, you've you got to have money. And God is concerned about how we make it. He wants us to make it righteously. He wants us to, to manage it correctly. He wants us to give it generously and freely the way that he tells us to do. So how do we find guidance in using money well and not being used by money? And how do we learn how to practice good stewardship that brings glory and honor to God? Well, we need to look to the Word of God to see what he says about that. We've got to be wise about our money. And as we're going to look in the book of Proverbs, we finished a, a series during the summer with that. I ask you to challenge you to continue to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. And if you're doing that, you'll find that there's a lot in there that Solomon says about money and wealth and, and riches. And not surprisingly, because Solomon was the richest man and he was the wisest man who ever lived. So he had a lot to say about that. But not only that, but it's all the way through the Bible. Uh, Howard Dayton, who was the founder of Crown Ministries, has said he counted that there were over 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, but there were over 2,350 on how to handle money and possessions. You see, God knew that those things are important in our life and that we needed great instruction about how to manage things, and particularly how to manage things for His glory. A Gallup poll fairly recently uh, indicated that 56% of families in America today consider economic problems the biggest problems that they face. The second highest was um, health issues and health care, and that was only at 6%. And so we understand from that, I think, that, that money and, 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 and financial concerns are, are an issue in everyday life today for us. 
And then you get, you get besieged by so many different places about you need to give here and give here and give here. And as the holiday seasons arrive, you know, along and along besides what I give for, to, as my tithe and what I give beyond that is my offerings here. And then what I do to support some other causes, give to some cancer societies and a little bit Oliver Gospel Mission and, and some of the other places like that. You know, you, get, you start giving to one organization, it seems like you get 25 more in the mail that's soliciting your money. As we get closer to the holiday season, it's going to be that way. That there's just more and more about our money and that's needed out there. And we have to be careful. We're going to be talking today about giving freely, but that doesn't mean you give carelessly. But you give generously and joyfully because you're giving to the kingdom of God. And that should be given first. You see, while Proverbs says a lot about wealth, riches, and the rich or the wealthy, don't tune that out. Because if you come to understand the reality of that as an American living here in America, you are rich compared to about 95% of the rest of the world's population. A study indicated that here in America that uh, per capita we lose about $75 of cash every year. I mean, you know, you drop a 20 or so out of your pocket or something like that. $75. And that bothers you for a while. It bothers me. That's almost $100 that we lose. But the reality is 95% of the world lives on $69 for their annual income. So compared to the rest of the 95% or more of the world, we are rich. We are wealthy. And so we have to learn what God teaches us about this generous lifestyle and how to handle money. Somebody said it's like handling nitroglycerin. You've got to be very careful or it can be harmful for you. No, we seem like we have warnings about everything that we handle in life. There's warnings on toys. I'm noticing that more and more with grandchildren. There are warnings on tobacco products. There are warnings on, on diet soft drinks. Uh, there are even warnings on airbags. Maybe we're reaching the point that we need to have warnings that come out with the credit cards that get sent to us and warnings printed on our currency to remind us about how important money is and that we need to be careful with that money. You see, God expects us to earn our money righteously, to spend it wisely, and to honor Him by giving generously for the cause of His kingdom, and that we do that through our local church. So, let's look at Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25, that gives us our text for today. And we hear Solomon say some words that when you look at it at first, you might think, how does this work? How does this work with what Solomon is saying? So, let's look at it. uh, Chapter 11 of Proverbs, verses 24 through 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now those, those words don't seem like they would be right, do they? One gives freely, yet he gains even more. Another withholds, who does not give, is not generous, and he comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. These words kind of resonate the way Jesus taught in the New Testament about the fact, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. And if you want to lose your life, you have to try to save it. That's kind of what this is saying. If you want to be blessed, then you need to give. And the more you give, the more you will prosper. 
Now, that's not talking about the, the prosperity religion and theology that's out there. This is just simply talking about the prospering because of the blessings of God in our life. So, as we come to this week and, and next week, we've asked you to bring back your committed stewardship card. Many have already mailed some of them in. There's a provision made for you in the letter that went out to you with the card. And there's an envelope for mailing it back to us if you can't be here next week. But we're asking you this week to pray over your financial commitment that you will make uh, for next year. And that uh, you, will, you will faithfully uh, commit to, to giving to support the life of our church. And, and all that we have by the way of missions and ministries that we want to do in the coming year. And then we'll place those cards during a time in our worship hour next week on the open Bible on our table and have prayer over it. So today in preparation for that, as you pray about your stewardship commitment for the coming year, I want us to think about three reasons why we should live the generous life and what, what it means for us. And the first one is this. Generosity is necessary for our spiritual maturity. One of the things that God expects of us is He expects to grow and mature in our faith. And, and always the, the pattern is the model of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to grow in that pattern and that model. And so generosity is one of the ways that we grow in our spiritual maturity. Generosity is and always will be one of the genuine character traits of followers of Jesus. Randy Alcorn wrote a fascinating little book called The Treasure Principle. And in it he said this, he made this statement, If Christ is not Lord over our money and possessions, then He is not our Lord. Now you think about that. We call Him our Lord and our Savior. But if He's not Lord over everything in our life, including our money and our possessions, then He's not our Lord. You need to look at yourself very carefully and look at your lifestyle and ask, is He the Lord of my life? And then Alcorn went on to say, I have never seen a mature Christian who was not also a mature steward. Giving is part of growing. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Giving is part of growing. So you have to have generosity in your life if you want to grow more and more in spiritual maturity and grow like the image of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. And that means being generous not only with your money, but with your time and your talent as well. We need all of that in the work of the church. And we need all of that in the growth of the kingdom of God. So you think about this and ask yourself this question. Can I really grow more in the likeness of the image of Christ and grow towards spiritual maturity if I'm going to be disobedient about what God says about handling His money and the money that He pours into my life? That when we look at our children, when are they maturing? When they're disobeying us or when we see the values that we sought to plant in them are being lived out in their life? There is a fundamental correlation that exists between our spiritual life and our attitude towards money and possessions. Our attitude either reveals gratitude and trust or it reveals our immaturity and lack of gratitude and trust. Generosity is a key factor in spiritual maturity. And so that's the first reason we're talking about today and emphasizing our need to be generous in, in, in supporting the kingdom of God. And that is because it helps us to grow towards spiritual maturity. Now, 
Second reality is this. Generosity allows us to overcome our selfish nature. Generosity allows us to overcome our selfish nature. I think there's somewhat of a debate that goes on. Some people say we are born with a selfish nature, and others say we develop that by the culture in which we live. Either way, we have a selfish nature because it's based on our concept of self-preservation. We're always concerned about, will I have enough? Will God take care of me? It's so interesting that we trust God for our salvation. We pray about all these things in our life, in the lives of our friends, and our neighbors, in the life of our church. We ask God to do miracles. We ask God to do things that only He can do. And we say that we really trust and believe in Him. But yet so many believers, people of God, do not trust Him with their finances. And that's a spiritual battle. To be generous. That's really a spiritual battle. Because Satan doesn't want you to be generous. God does want you to be generous. And you've got to fight that battle and win. I think we could look at our nation today and say that we are a nation of hoarders. Now, from time to time you'll read some wonderful stories about people and their generosity. But by and large we're a nation of hoarders. There's all kinds of reality shows about that. But according to the Self-Storage Association, and there's more and more of them growing, they're cropping up all around Columbia. There are now 1.9 billion square feet of personal storage space outside of the home all over the United States in 40,000 different facilities. Some of them under the name of Public Storage or Storage USA or SureGuard. And a report comes out in that survey that says, one out of every 11 homeowners also has a home storage, a self-storage space. And that is a 75% increase since 1995. I think we're growing more and more selfish. And it's revealed in some other things that we'll be talking about in a little bit later on. So we have to be taught to be generous. And that has to come from the Bible. It has to come from the pulpits. It has to come from our teaching and our life groups. It has to come through discussions that we have one with another because we're doing battle with what we're taught by society. Society tells us to make all you can and save all you can and the one who dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus taught a totally different lifestyle, a totally different approach. He told us to make what we need, live on what you can, and then give away what you can. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's another one of those strange paradoxical sayings that doesn't seem right. That's contrary to our nature to believe that. Now what do we mean by generous giving? Well it's not just rising up for one special occasion and we do a great job of that when there are needs in the life of this church. When there are special offerings we do a great job with that. But generosity really is about reorienting our heart in the direction of Jesus Christ so that we can become transmitters of the same attention and care that Jesus gave to us. See, it isn't about the amount, it's about your heart and how your heart is shaped and what your heart deals with. And we do, we do battle with that because money, we think, promises us things that only God can give, like security and significance and identity and independence, and power, and freedom. Money really doesn't give us that. More times than not, if we're not careful, we become slaves to our money. 
of all people in the world, we should be the most generous, we should be the most faithful and obedient in giving back to God as He asks us to do. But studies don't tell us that. What they do tell us is that the average Christian today gives only 2.5% of his or her income to the kingdom of God. In America, only 9% currently of all born-again adults give 10% of their income. That's called the tithe. And only 21% of American Christians have volunteered at any time in a church any way in the last week. We always talk about visible indicators about where our commitments lie. What does your bank account and your time, which is your calendar, show about your life that says Jesus is Lord of your life? See, we need to practice generosity and we need to become generous and we need to live the generous life because generosity allows us to overcome our selfish nature. And then the third reason we need to learn how to be generous is because generosity is blessed generously. Generosity is blessed generously. That's what Solomon said in these two verses. Let's hear them again. One man gives freely. He gives freely. And that's the theme for our 2020 budget, financial plan and ministry, is to give freely. That doesn't mean recklessly, but that means lovingly and obediently and cheerfully and faithfully. He says, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes in poverty. A generous man will prosper and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now we have the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, this is true. This is true and you can take it to the bank. That God promises us this principle. That if we practice generosity, we will be blessed generously. Jesus said it in words like this, The man who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you believe those words of Jesus? Do you trust Him with that? Do you believe that God will bless you? See how it works? We give to God first. And in actuality, we're really not giving to Him first because He's always already given to us so that we can give to Him. Kind of like giving your children money so they can buy you a Christmas present or a birthday present. God has already given to us. He's blessed us with everything. And he just asked us to give a portion of it back to him. If everybody in the life of this church gave the 10%, the tithe, like he asked for, we wouldn't have any financial problems at all. We'd be looking for ways to spend that money. We're nowhere near our tithing income in the life of Spring Valley Baptist Church. We have to learn generosity. And the generosity doesn't mean the tithe, but it goes, generosity becomes a part of our life when it goes beyond the tithe. Listen to what he says in Malachi 3.10. You've heard it before, unless you're new to the faith. But he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. 
Now, that promise in Malachi goes along with what Solomon said in Proverbs. You give generously and you will be blessed generously. That does not mean if you give 10% of your income that you're going to get like 85% back in some kind of way. It doesn't always mean you're going to get financial blessings. But I will tell you this, if you talk to people who've been faithful stewards and have lived by the tithe for a long time in their walk with the Lord, they will tell you that their finances have been in great shape since they've been walking with the Lord and letting Him be Lord of their finances. It works with the way that God helps us to prioritize our spending, helps us to prioritize where we're going to use our money and how we're going to use our money. It helps us to keep out of debt and help us to stay out of debt. It keeps us from overspending. God gives us blessings abundantly. And then there are other testimonies that can be given that where you've honored God, which maybe take the last penny you had to give him that tithe, and yet somehow you made it financially, and somehow only by God's grace he provided what you needed. Our giving does not buy miracles or blessings, but it can restrict them because God cannot bless a closed hand. So here's what we need to understand about this. If you want to have a blessed life, live a generous life. I think that's the essence of what the Bible teaches us about money and wealth and stewardship and how God expects us to live with the possessions that he gives to us. He wants us to live the generous life because the generous life is the one that will be blessed. If you want to have a generous life, want to have a blessed life, live a generous life. If you want to have a blessed life, live a generous life. Because that's the life that God blesses. See, one of the characteristics of God is generosity. He's been generous to us in His love and His grace and His mercy and salvation and all the other blessings that He gives to us in life. And He expects us as we grow to spiritual maturity to display that generosity. And so the challenge for us is this year and, and always is that we need to trust God with our finances and we need to learn to be generous. And this challenge this year for our budget is give freely. In other words, don't withhold grudgingly what God asks for, but give freely. Not recklessly, not carelessly, but generously in the sense of, of being obedient and cheerful and, and, and being trustworthy and anticipating blessings from God. So this week I'm going to ask you to pray over your stewardship commitment and what you will make for the coming year as your stewardship commitment. Bring your completed card. If you can't be here next week, mail them in so that we'll see how God is going to work in our church life, our church family, as we practice the generous life and live that generous life for the glory of God. Father, I pray that our people here at Spring Valley, your people, will learn to trust you more and more in the area of finances. And I ask this week that you would, uh, you would place on the burden, uh, burden on the heart of every one of us to, to lay our life before you and see if you truly are, if we've allowed you to be Lord in every area of our life, from salvation to our finances. And I pray, Father, that you will challenge us to faithfulness and being obedient.
to what you call us to do in terms of stewardship. And that we will learn to give generously because you want us to be generous as you are. And that we know then that we can trust you to bless us in response. Father, you're a good God. You're a loving God. You're a generous God. And as we pray and make these decisions, we trust you to be con- continue to be faithful to your word. And that we would grow in that faithfulness as we give for your glory. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.